Should believers celebrate the birth of the Messiah? Should Jews or Gentiles alike who believes in him celebrate this festival? Because a lot of people are telling me, Amir, you're a Jewish man. How can you even believe that God has a son? We must reset our brains in order to understand the events of 2,000 years ago. We must literally take our index finger, press right here, and try to go all the way back 2,000 years ago in order to avoid misinterpretation and confusion. Shalom everyone, I'm here right in the mountains of the tribe of Judah, not too far from the city of Bethlehem. I drove this morning all the way from the surroundings of the city of Nazareth, about an hour and a half drive to this location. And this is the time of the year where Jewish people celebrate the festival of Hanukkah and Christians worldwide are celebrating Christmas. Interestingly enough, both Hanukkah and Christmas are traditional holidays. These are not holidays that the Bible commands us to celebrate. They are not mentioned in Leviticus 23 as the feasts of the Lord. Both Hanukkah and Christmas are marking events that took place way after the Old Testament was written. And yet, Millions around the world are celebrating these two. And it's very interesting because according to John chapter 10, verses 22 to 29, Jesus himself came to Jerusalem and celebrated the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah in Hebrew. Yet, it wasn't about the Maccabees. It wasn't about the victory over the Greek. It was actually to speak about his deity. He took advantage of this opportunity. He did not rebuke people for celebrating in non-biblical holidays. He was not there angry with anyone saying it's not written in Leviticus 23, thus you shouldn't even be gathering here. He went up to Jerusalem and the Bible says in John 10, Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple, in Solomon's porch. And then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the work that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. He could have spoken about the victory of the Maccabees. He could have spoken about the alleged miracle that happened in the temple. He could have spoken about the Hanukkah menorah. Neither one of these things were in his mouth. 
he actually chose to tell people that, in fact, what he is doing and what he's doing in his father's name speaks louder than titles that people want to give him. In any way, the title Messiah in the minds and the hearts and the thoughts and the teachings of the Jewish establishment at that time did not match Jesus' uh, personality and identity. Being the son of God, being God in the flesh, he could have not been just an anointed man. We must reset our brains in order to understand the events of 2,000 years ago and try to go all the way back in order to avoid misinterpretation and confusion. You see, I love teaching on Bible prophecy. That portion of the Bible is so exciting because it speaks of future events that the Lord God revealed to his servants, the prophets. I'm talking about Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea. And it's interesting because today we're very excited about what is next in Bible prophecy, about what is next to happen. We're excited because we know that the Bible is accurate and we know that the Bible is reliable and we know that the Bible is authentic. But 2,000 years ago, they were also excited about fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Just as today's events are amazing fulfillment of Bible prophecy, so were the events of 2,000 years ago. When Jesus came to the world, it was fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Amos chapter 3, verses 7 to 8, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Everybody is trying to cheapen the role of the prophets and the identity of the prophets, saying that anyone can be a prophet if you only go to school of prophets or something like that. Listen, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21 says it. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And that brings me to the most quoted prophet in the New Testament, and that is the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah prophesied between 687 and 742. In fact, that's what we believe his lifespan was throughout at least three different kings in Judah, Yotam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And it is Isaiah who said, 
Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Isaiah, from the very first chapter all the way throughout the book, warned the nation of Israel hundreds of years before Christ came. He warned the nation of Israel that they are actually following men and men's teachings and men's doctrines. And Isaiah warned against it. Now, our verse today, the verse of Christmas, and of course, I'm talking about Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. In Hebrew, kiyeled yulad lanu, ben nitan lanu. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Pele, Counselor, Yoetz, Mighty God, El Gibor, Everlasting Father, Avi Ad, Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom. A lot of people are telling me, Amir, you're a Jewish man. How can you even believe that God has a son? And I always tell them, when was the last time you read the Bible? He says, ah, we don't believe in your Bible. We believe in the Old Testament. I said, I'm, I'm talking about the Old Testament. I'm not talking about the New Testament. I became a believer in Yeshua, not by reading any verse from the New Testament. I actually read the prophet Isaiah. But not only there, in Proverbs, Mishlei, chapter 30, verse 4. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Mi Allah shamaima ve'yarad. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Mi tsarar maim besimla. Who had bound the waters in a garment and has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? Mashmo. And what is his son's name? Umashembno. If you know, Kiteda. The concept of the Son of God is not foreign to the Jewish writings. It's foreign to the teachings of the rabbis. They ignored these verses. Same as in Psalm chapter 2, the book of Psalm, Tehillim, chapter 2. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry. Beautiful. And how can God has a son? How is that son supposed to come to the world? And again, I'm not quoting the New Testament. It is the book of Isaiah, chapter 7. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Hine ha'alma hara, 
ותלד בן, ויקרא שמו עמנואל. What is Emmanuel? Emmanuel means God is with us. Now why? Why was he born? First of all, let's make it very clear. In our day and age, it has to be made very clear. He was a boy. It's, there is no gender fluidity in the Bible. Now, he was not just born as he, but he was born unto us. It's not like a baby that was born to a family only. Matthew 1 says, But while he taught about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, for he will save his people, who Yoshia et Amo, from their sins. He wasn't born just to be your son. He's, I'll tell you what his name is going to be, and I'll tell you why he's called that way. Yeshua, Yoshia, he's coming to save his people. Jesus wouldn't just be born unto Mary and Joseph. He would be born unto us, the whole nation and the whole world. Jesus was given. Nitan lanu. Not purchased, given to us. It's a free gift. He was given to us. You don't buy salvation anywhere. You don't buy forgiveness of sins anywhere. Not like in the Middle Ages when people would buy indulgences, when they will pay money and then will receive some written forgiveness for their sins. No. It's a gift. It was given. Matana in Hebrew, gift. Something that you receive. Something you did not purchase. Now who gave his son... To who? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Of course he came to save the world but only those who believe in him will benefit from it. He is the only king that was given a name before the birth not by his earthly parents. And he's also the only king that was born with the promise to save, judge, and rule the whole world. Now, should believers celebrate the birth of the Messiah? Should Jews or Gentiles alike who believes in him celebrate this festival. Look, I understand there's so much paganism in the way people celebrate Christmas nowadays. In fact, if you really think about it, every Christmas season there is a barrage of Hollywood movies about Christmas without Christ. It's about being good and doing good things and looking good and eating good and drinking good. Everything is perfect, but he is missing. He's not there. They don't talk about him. They don't mention him. They don't speak about who he is, why he came, what for. They don't tell anyone about him. Whereas the whole point is to celebrate his birth 
for a reason. Now, should we? Should we celebrate his birth? Should we take part, God forbid, in this very Hollywood-style, sticky, pagan display? So I'm telling you, take an example for him himself. When Jesus came to Jerusalem on the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, he came to Jerusalem to speak not about the Maccabees and not about Antiochus and not about the Hanukkah and not about the miracle of the oil and not about the dreidel and not about anything. He came to speak about himself, who he is, what he was, what he came for. He is the reason for the season. And in the Feast of Lights, he talked about himself as the light of the world. In that Feast of Dedication, he was speaking about how he is indeed of the Father, with the Father, the Son of the Father. Celebration is an expression of joy and thanksgiving. And I think that for us, the birth of the Messiah should be a reason for joy and thanksgiving anyway. So we could actually celebrate his birth any given day. Luke chapter 2, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. The birth of Jesus was the cause for great celebration, not only on earth, but even in heaven. Celebrating such an important biblical event cannot be worse than celebrating the feast and the Sabbaths without even knowing him. Now, as Jews, as Jews, how can we not celebrate the birth of the king of the Jews? I, I, I don't understand. We ought to be using the season to speak of the reason. Now, you know, Christmas is full of symbols. There's the star, there's the gifts, there's the tree, all of those things. I, I, I'm not a big fan of those things, honestly. But regarding the star that you're about to see, Revelation 22:16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Why don't we, while we see the star, talk about the bright morning star? What about the gift? Everybody's giving gifts to one another. Let's make mention that Jesus is the gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for his incredible gift, the Messiah. What about the joy? Joy to the world we're singing. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, Whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's the reason for the joy. Joy to the world, because we can be saved now. There is the salvation of our souls and soon even of our body. What about the tree? Well, I'm not a big fan of having trees being worshipped. In fact, it is an abomination. But when you see a Christmas tree, think about this. Jesus 
is like the tree of life. The Bible says in Revelation 2.7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Think about the source of life that existed in the Garden of Eden. God never told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of life. He told them not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They could have eaten from the tree of life, but they chose not to. And they chose to go to the only one that they should have not eaten from. And that's when the access to the tree of life was forbidden. And now through Christ, we have access back to the tree of life. So instead of focusing on the pagan characteristics of this holiday, use the season to speak of the reason. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more. This is the attitude. If they celebrate with all of these things and you want to win them, don't go and attack them. Use those things to explain the Messiah to them. Look what Paul says to the Corinthians. To the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be partaker of it with you. So instead of condemning and, and being angry all the time and always accusing and always having a problem, you know, we have become so bitter and angry when Philippians chapter four, verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all for the Messiah, for Christ is near. As we're getting closer and closer to his return, how much more we should be more joyful and more gentle instead of angry all the time. Jesus may not have been born on December 25th. But praise God, he was born.